here, I want, I want to do a couple of things. We've called this series Masterpiece, and we've been kind of looking at what God is doing and how God's been building marriage as a way to, to express himself into the earth and what God says about those things. We did ask for homework, and if many of you have said, okay, we did our homework, where do we turn it in? Just bring it back every week. Put it right back in here on the bottom. Put it under the bottom. You don't have to worry about people reading it. Just slide it underneath all the blank ones. If you don't have one yes, yet, they're already there. Uh, on the last Sunday of the Marriage Sermon Series, November 27th, we're, gonna, we're just going to do a random drawing, and, and we've got some things we want to give to married people just to bless you. Amen? But in order to qualify for any of those, right? I mean, one of them's like a... Tonight, Airbnb and dinner and all this good stuff. So uh, you got to you got to do your homework. Uh, and uh, if I see some in there that I would like to share, I'll call you and say, "Hey, can we share some of this?" But uh, make sure you do that. Uh, the next thing is obviously uh, this is where my heart is at in the world that we live in, and I've said this over and over and over again. As a church, uh, as the church, the body of Christ, we've been saying for years that we live in the last days. And uh, much of the church has made its popularity and its growth on um, that idea. We live in the last days, you know, get right or get left. We live in the last days. Much of, much of the church has, 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 has not made its stance in relationship. Instead, it's made its, its stance in fear. And we kind of get callous to that, so when we start seeing some things that are actually last day events, they shock us. They shouldn't, but they do. And so my statement to us as a body of believers, as the body of Christ on earth, what, when things like elections don't go our way, hello somebody, when evil sins tends to be prevalent and it tends to be the choice, and we begin to live in fear that what is happening. And my, my statement to us is this. What did we expect the last days to look at? The Bible said that men's would be lovers of darkness and not truth. Um, and so I'm just going to speak real quick. Since I am talking to dads today, to, to husbands, but dads in that. I'm just going to say to you, obviously, some of the things that passed. I mean, our, our county and our area, very conservative and those things. But... Whether those things passed or went our way or not, it doesn't change the fact that I believe that now is a time for every man to begin to make his children priority. Especially our daughters. We, we, had, a, we had a drug dealer problem in Chipley, Florida, and so we decided to do revivals in the park where he used to deal drugs. And the cops would come by and say, that's a crack house right there. Do you guys know what you're doing? And you know how we got rid of the crack house in Chipley, Florida? Not by voting it out, not by having the police storm out all the time. You know what we did? Now we got rid of the prostitution that was happening inside that. We won the prostitutes to Christ and we won the drug dealer to Christ. So I'm just going to tell you, abortion is not going away because we pick it. It goes away because there isn't a need for it. And so dads, I'm, I'm big on this. It's time to make our children a priority. The Bible says God will return the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers' hearts to the children. And I believe we're living in those ages. 
And so I just want to encourage us as a church, don't be discouraged. Amen. Let your light shine even brighter. So now that I've done that, <laughs> um, I love you. Thank you for visiting today. Uh, I can't apologize for the, the scripture that is uh, happening. What's that, sweetheart? I did. Oh, uh, I'm getting there. Um, in the sense that when we... My, my wife is... Let me tell you, my wife is giving me specific instructions about this sermon. I read to her a portion of the scripture that I was going to be reading, and, and she looked at me, threatening me. And she says, Don, there can be no commentary. <laughs> Read the scripture and keep it PG. <laughs> but it's about families, and, and family, and, and, and it's about headship today. It's about who, who God has ordained as lead, and how stability happens because of a husband. Hello, hello somebody. And family has legacy because of a husband. Um, many of you know that my son is married to uh, Doug and Nancy's daughter, Sarah. And, and yesterday, we just, we just had, uh, not yesterday, Saturday, uh, Friday. Yeah, I have a funeral. I have, hello, somebody. Uh, a lot going on. Uh, there's a funeral, a wedding, and a baby being born. But our grandson was born on Friday. And so we're excited about that, right? <laughs> this is your second grandson, right? And so it's, a, it's our second two. Uh, one of our grandsons is waiting for us in heaven. Uh, so, uh, so we're excited about all of that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says we are his workmanship. Uh, in some of your translations, it might say masterpiece. Now, I'm talking about husbands. I'm, I'm going to talk about this in the context of marriage today. And so if you are a visitor... And maybe some of this might make you uncomfortable. I will just say this. You're not uncomfortable when they talk about it on TikTok. Uh, it's time the church addresses some things. So our young people know, amen, what's biblical and what isn't. And so our, our young people aren't afraid of, of walking in righteousness and purity because they have a biblical understanding of, of, of something that is beautiful and God expresses in such a beautiful way. And so Pastor Don's going to try that today. Hello, somebody. So in the context of marriage is where we're at today the whole day. Everybody say, in the context of marriage. All right, let's go. We are his masterpiece. Now, let me ask every man in here just for a moment. Have you ever felt like your marriage has been reduced to the simple business arrangements of the week? Come on, dudes. Let's go. Like your life with your wife and your family is just a bunch of short meetings where you split up the to-do list. Who's taking this kid here? Who's taking that kid here? Who's doing the grocery shopping? Who's paying the bill? Who's changing the oil? Come on, somebody. Who's mowing the grass? Who's washing the dishes? Who's washing the clothes? Like your plans for the future are all about what is next week's agenda. And the truth is, if you have let your marriage fall into the trap of negotiating to th this day's transactions, it's no wonder to men it's not fulfilling. It's just another to-do list. It's another 
chore. It's another thing. It's, it's another thing that I, I probably got to get accomplished that I won't get accomplished. And even if I try, I'm going to, hello, somebody's not going to be happy with the way I did. Come on, guys, y'all not helping me. I'm trying, I'm, I promise you guys I'm trying to help you today. You will see in a little bit, gentlemen, when we get into the Song of Solomon. And you know you don't read your Bible enough when you find your kids reading the Song of Solomon and you ask them where they got that trash from. Let me say this to all of us. People never fall in love having a bad time. I don't know anyone who fell in love because they were both bored with each other. No, instead what we hear are things like this. We say, we say oh, we have so much fun together. We hear, we hear things like this. We have, we have so much in common. We, the, we, we hear things like this. Oh, the worst part of our date is when it was over. We hear things like we never have enough time together. Oh, we fall asleep on the phone talking to each other. You know the conversation's over when one or the other starts snoring. Never have enough time. Never have enough time. Now I have, and I'm going to invite the ushers to help me this morning. So ushers, just come on, do your thing. Don't be distracted by them. Pay attention to me. I just have a question. How many guys in here can, can say they've been inspired to greatness because of a painting? How many of us would say that oftentimes, guys, y'all help me out, what the world calls masterpieces are a little girly? And they don't inspire us to greatness. Like, I don't believe any man has been inspired to conquer anything by standing in front of the Mona Lisa going, Oh boy, oh yeah, yes, I'm ready, let's go! Standing under the Louvre, looking at a painting. I'm not real sure men are inspired to greatness because of what the world calls masterpieces. Now, it might be a little different, guys, if we're in Rome and we're standing in front of the ruin of the Colosseum where the gladiators did battle. Right? Because, like, that's man's stuff. That's stuff that makes me want to live, and it turns something on inside of my life. We're inspired not because of paintings or those things. We're inspired by a sense of adventure. Come on, somebody. Come on, I'm I'm trying to help you out, guys. We're inspired when there's a feeling of overcoming, of conquering, and those things. I, I, I have some inspiration that are my inspirations on the stage today. Sir Peyton of Manning... Two hundred and sixty-five pound laser rocket arm, greatest quarterback to ever play the game, Sir Peyton of Manning. 
In my office, if you've ever been in there, there hangs a picture of my dad in 1970. My dad was 19 years old in this picture. This picture was taken in the morning. If you know a little bit about my dad, he has three combat tours in Vietnam. My dad was a special forces man, and um, he has a combat infantry badge. He's a 101st Screaming Eagle. My dad's about this tall and the baddest little dude you ever met in your life. He's a funny old guy now. He's still about this tall, though. My dad was the only special forces guy in the camp this day. This morning, he was getting ready to go on leave. And a firefight happened. And so they loaded my dad up in a helicopter with his lieutenant. They dropped him off in the jungle. That mountain in the background is 20 miles away. I have the paperwork to prove this story. My dad fought that day against the Viet Cong like he had in days past. The big firefight happened and my dad got hit by a hand grenade. And he kept fighting. Bleeding with shrap metal in his body. His buddy who was on the 50 caliber got killed. And the lieutenant was in between my dad and the 50 and my dad was out of ammo. And so my dad Push your lieutenant down, another hand grenade hit next to them, and my dad kept fighting for them all. When the firefight was over, my dad walked with shrap metal in his body the 20 miles from that mountain to this camp. He was awarded the Purple Heart and the Bronze Star for acts of heroism in war because he saved his lieutenant's life. Now, my dad's part of the story is this. He was in between me and the only gun that had ammo, and so I pushed him out of the way. <laughs> but the lieutenant was, Sergeant Smith saved my life. Now, this means nothing to you, and the truth is it means nothing to him. That's why I have the medals and he does not. You know why I keep this picture? Because this picture was taken in 1970. The day my dad got hit by a hand grenade. I was not born until 1972. This picture, not the Mona Lisa, inspires me to greatness. Because on this day, the devil tried to take me out, but God had other plans. Many of you, some of you have met my dad, and he's a storyteller if you think I am. Each one of these things has a story to it. I can tell you about uh, this buck whom we had on video for a year and, and pictures for a year, and, and we would watch him and, and, and try and figure out his, his, his path. And, and one morning, I just happened to be sitting in the right place after looking for him all year and all year. And, and one morning, he came in. It was cold. I can tell you about that story. And Josh Wired was there, and it was a great story. 
I can tell you about this pig in the swamps of Florida. This evil demonic critter. I can tell you about this turkey. Remember this turkey in a thunderstorm, Josh? We were soaking wet, and it was the only tom we had seen that day, and thunder was lightning, and the turkeys were shock gobbling. Oh, you know, and they were just going, and the rain was coming down, and this guy was on the other side of the field, probably 600 yards away from us, and he had all these hens around him, and Josh was like, it's the only tom I've seen all day, and, and we were soaking wet, and he said, even if we got over there, I don't think I could get the hens away from him. What do you want to do? And I'm like, bro, I am soaking wet now. Let's go. We crawl around the edge of that 600-acre field on our knees in the mud. And, and we got perched up there close to where we finally got to him. And Josh starts calling for him. And he would call back. And, and, and Josh is behind me. And I'm up. And Josh is like, don't move, don't move, don't move. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm locked in position. And, and, and my cheeks are hurting from sitting on the ground. And, and I'm stiff and I'm cold and, and just wet. And Josh is like, I'm never going to get him away from the hens. I'm never going to get him away from the hens. And, and, and Josh called one more time. And, and he lit toward us man here he comes and, and Josh is like get ready he's coming get ready he's coming and, and he came over that little hill about 25 yards away and he's all puffed up like this and I can hear Josh behind me because I'm ready just to blast him he, he said wait 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 why I'm wet and muddy and, and, and it's raining and Josh is like wait 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 let him let him let him calm down and, and man he calmed down and Josh said get him boom right like I can tell you about going over there and Josh saying, don't touch him. I think he might be a state record. Michigan state record is 32 pounds. He was 28 and a half. I can tell you about that story. And the, some of the guys in the church had him mounted for me. And he's beautiful, right? Like just beautiful Eastern Tom. And Come on. Come on, dudes. We're not telling a story about the Mona Lisa like that. What really captures us as men? Not the thing. The adventure. Come on, husbands. The problem is the adventure always fades. And we don't tell the story anymore. We get a little bored with it. It's a little old. And... What we want to do is move on to the next adventure. Can I read to you Ecclesiastes 9 9? Now, write it down. If you have your Bible, man, I would, I, I would, I would that you would turn there with me. Ecclesiastes 9 9. Everybody say husbands. <laughs> I'm just going to read the Bible. I don't have a trick Bible. I'm just going to read it. Ecclesiastes 9.9 9 says, Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of your life. That God has given you under the sun. Don't be discouraged men. Because watch this. The wife. 
God gives you is your reward for earthly toil. Have we as men ever thought that our wife is actually a reward from God himself? I mean, the Bible says, blessed is a man who finds a wife. We talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. We talk about all these things. But have we ever really thought when God was creating his masterpiece, man and woman, that God would put them together in such a way that a part of that masterpiece would be an incredible reward for the man? Come on, guys. Most days you just got to go about your business. But the truth of the matter is, most days when we go about our business, the best part of our day needs to be getting back home to that woman we love. we got to be interested in pursuing our wife because she is God's reward in our life. The struggle is the fade. Hello, somebody. Come on, guys, you know when you met her. Woo! Oh, my. Come on. We are excited. We're exhilarated. We met this woman, and we know, we know, we, we have met this woman, and if she will but give us a chance, we will have outkicked our coverage. She's out of our league. We love the chase. The pursuit is on. Hello, somebody. The pursuit is on. It is ready. Here we go. This is exciting. Now the adventure begins. I'm going to catch her. I'm going to get her. I'm going to catch her. We love to win. We love to conquer. We love to make the kill. We love it so much, you know what we do? We stuff it and we hang it on a wall so we can tell a story about it. Look at this buck. Now, maybe you in the room have killed a bigger buck than this, but this is my biggest until next week. And he's a brute. Right? Like the chase was on. You brag about it. We're like, man, look at it. Look at it. Look at it. And uh, there we go. And then what happens is the fade sets in, and after a while we start to hunt the next thing. Now, all of a sudden, this masterpiece isn't so much anymore. Gentlemen, I'm helping us. All the guys in the room say, but. But the Bible gives us, as men, an example of how not to let the fade happen with our wives. I'm going to read the Bible. You might want to read it with me. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 1. Now, this is a husband talking about his wife. This is a husband who's not interested in the fade. This is a husband who's pursuing his wife. She's his wife. She's his wife. She's his wife. And he is pursuing her. And this is his thought process in verse 1. How beautiful are your feet, are your sandaled feet, O queen maiden? Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work 
of a master craftsman. Your navel is perfectly formed like a goblet filled with mixed wine. Is the Bible really advocating body shots here? I... Between your thoughts, gentlemen, in the context of marriage. <laughs> Between your thighs lies a mound of wheat bordered with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are the sparkling pool of Hespon by the gate. Come on, somebody. Now, every man in this room's got Barry White playing in his head. <laughs> Some of the young people are like, who? Listen to me. When I read this Bible, when I read this portion of Scripture, husbands, you know what I see? A man who can't help himself about his wife. He cannot help himself about her. He, he just is enamored with her, every aspect of who she is. He, he can't help himself. And you know what else I see if you keep reading? She loves the attention. She loves it. Ladies, can I say something to you, even though this is a, a sermon to husbands? You are his only righteous source And you want it that way. Come on, ladies. You didn't help me. You are his only source that would ever be without sin. And that's the way you want it. Don't apologize for that. Don't be afraid to say it. Because that's what it should be. And so my encouragement to you ladies, and I know my wife had, and some of the lady elders at the church had some really good conversation over, I didn't hear it, don't need the details this past ladies weekend, but if you are his only source, and that's the way you want it, my encouragement to you, just as a man, is be such a great source that he'd be bored with anything else. There is Solomon, right there. He's not talking about somebody who's not his wife. He's not talking about the girl on the street corner. He's not talking about the girl in the office or at the gym. He's not talking about his neighbor's wife. He's talking about his wife. I'm going to help you. Let me tell you something in this room right now. You know why I hate tofu? I hate it. I hate tofu. Let me tell you why I hate tofu. Because I done ate a piece of steak. That's what pornography is. It's tofu. That's what the neighbor's wife is. It's tofu. I'm helping somebody. That's what their woman in the office is. It's tofu. Amen. That's what I'm talking about this morning. 
I ain't finished. I ain't finished. Some of y'all want me to be finished because I feel it. Watch verse 10 here. This is, this is when you know you don't ever read your Bible. This is speaking to young women. Watch this. Verse 10 says, I am my lover's. She's speaking. And he claims me as his own. Come, my love, let us go out into the field and spend the night among the wildflowers. Let us get up early and go to the vineyard and see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates have bloomed. There I will give you my love. Now, ladies, let me give you PD's translation. Somebody hold on to my wife. I'm just an old country boy. I just hear her say, let's go have sex in the woods. is here is a woman who understands that her man loves her and he loves adventure. Yeah. <laughs> now some of you in the room, somebody listening might be saying, is God, is God okay with all of this? <laughs> is God okay with all of this? Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18. You can write it down. I'm going to read it to you. Proverbs 5, 18. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving, dear, graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Is God okay with this? Yes. In the context of marriage, yes, you may translate that for you. Enjoy each other. Men, I want to encourage you to enjoy the woman you married. She is your reward from God. And you would treat a reward from a king with care, with dignity, and with honor. You would display it and make sure that it's, it's fully taken care of. Man, I'm just telling you, every man in this room and listening right now ought to be just, just be enamored and go, man, the Word of God is good. Yeah. Your wife is beautiful and she is graceful. And may you always be satisfied with what you have in her because she is your reward in this life from God. The Hebrew word, you, your version may have said be intoxicated. Now the Hebrew word is different than our word because when we say someone's intoxicated, we're like they're drunk or they're out of their mind or they're senseless, right? They can't, they can't do that. That's not the word used in the Hebrew term. That's not how it means. Instead, it, it actually means like a predator that is so hungry that it pursues its prey and devours it. 
And men, that is the passion the Bible wants you to have for your wife. Be intoxicated with her love. Let me tell you why you're not intoxicated with her love. You want me to tell you why you're not hungry for her? Because you're too busy eating out of every other bowl. By the time you get home, you ain't wanting what she's got in her bowl. You have satisfied, you have, you have traded steak for tofu. And the Bible releases us as men to be passionate about our wives. Intoxicated with her love. In marriage, it's not just okay, men, to be consumed by the passion from your wife. It, it is a blessing. It is a blessing. And so, Pastor Don, how do we apply Solomon's wisdom here in the context of a culture that makes what we're talking about dirty, cheap? And in some times, not even a big deal. I'm glad you asked. I, I just, you know what I'm saying? Like the church needs to talk more about this. Our young people need to hear us talking about it in the context of the scripture and the heart of God instead of TikTok. Why does this conversation make us uncomfortable in church when God writes a whole book that if I translated it word for word... I'm going to say this to us, and my wife have been, and I have been through this. Listen, when we first got married thir- over 30 years ago, I, I, had an, I, had a, I had an incredible addiction to pornography. I had, all these things I had to overcome. I was an angry man. All those things, God delivered me from everything, and, and, and many of us know the stories and, and those type of things. And what we, what we learned, even in my wife's life, being very abused in that area of her life growing up and those type of things, you get someone who's addicted to pornography, you get someone who's abused and you put them together and, and then you try to figure out what it really is all about. It's difficult. We had some great leaders in our life who weren't afraid to talk about it. And, and I remember Pastor Rick saying, I don't know why people are afraid to talk about it. They do it. And here in this church, don't pretend like y'all don't have sex. That's why all these little bitty Christians run around here. <laughs> and there's a lot of them. Last Sunday, there were 91 little bitty Christians in, in children's church. I'm not I'm not done. Then Sunday afternoon, there were 96 kids in our youth ministries. So don't tell me you don't want to talk about sex because all these little Christians are running around here. Besides being an indicator of the overall health of your marriage, physical intimacy and fun are two of the most powerful things that, can, that you can do to bring health to your relationship. And guys, all the ladies say, listen, guys. I'm going to do it again. Ladies, help me out. Guys, your approach matters a lot. (laughs) Yes, it requires effort. 
I can't believe I'm doing this on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so be careful how you approach your wife. Can I just say this, gentlemen? Aggressive nudity might not be as seductive as you think it is. Sometimes subtleness and a gentle approach are the answer. Sometimes meaningful conversation is the thing that gets her attention. Amen. Oh, I'm, help, I'm, help, I'm helping somebody. All the ladies, help me out. Guys, stop making everything sexual. Listen, I'm just going to say it. Guys, if your wife comes to you and says... My car needs an oil change. Fight the urge to make a sexual comment. I got your oil change, baby. No, like. She's not motivated if she feels her only value to you is sex. And all the ladies said. It's not that you don't like it. I'm just encouraging guys to change our approach. Ladies, all the guys said, This is the best sermon ever. Ladies, all the guys said, Make an approach, any approach. That's it. That's it. That's it. That, that is it. Ladies, I promise you, whatever it is you got, it looks better in silk than it does in flannel. <laughs> Throw away that ratty set of PJs. Get a babysitter, go on a date, and put on some Marvin Gaye. Wow, 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 wow. I've been waiting all the... I'm going hunting next week. I'm going to leave the elders to clean this up. We may not have a soul back at church now. I'm sorry. All right, let's, I, I'm going to close with this idea and thought because we've got to get to some stuff here. The alliance of intimacy is very important. And if you read the song of Solomon without getting perverted, because married people have no need to be perverted, because, see, those that don't have legal right to something are those who always pervert it for their own use. But those who have legal right to it have no need to pervert what is pure. Oh, see, you should have wrote that down because that wasn't in my notes, and somebody's going to need to remember that. But if you read the Song of Solomon properly, what you will see is not aggressive talk about sexuality or sex or body parts, which it's all there. What you see is an alliance between a husband and his wife into intimacy, and it is initiated, created, and the weight of that alliance is carried by the husband. 
Now, no one in this room or listening is going to argue that most men tend to desire physical intimacy more than women. Ladies, you need to understand that if you turn the faucet off and things go dry for your husband, that is a crisis. Remember what you said. You are his only source and you want it that way. It's the same way, guys, that if you turn off the faucet of emotional intimacy, that is a crisis. She is built and constructed by God from Genesis. He says to her, you will have need of your husband. She needs you emotionally. It's built there by God. It's put into her DNA. She can't help herself. And So one of the most important ways... To demonstrate love to each other is by renewing your spiritual commitment to one another through acts of physical love. Pastor Don's going to say it because I know it's biblical. I'm going to say this, and you might want to chew on it a little bit, and I just encourage you. If it doesn't set well with you, then that's fine. Chew the meat and spit out the bones. But sex is spiritual. It's a blessing from God. And it's a way you can genuinely serve one another. Married people. You are each other's only source of sexual fulfillment that is not sinful. I want that to stay up there for a little bit. Ladies, I get it. He's a jerk. God didn't help me. And you don't like him. And when he's a jerk and you don't like him, you're not motivated. Hello, somebody. Guys, I get it. She's controlling and manipulative. (laughs) We want to get the usher team over there to protect him at the end of service. And here's the truth. Neither one of you probably like me right now. But what I'm telling you is an important part of marriage. And gentlemen, what I'm telling you is the thing you complain about is the weight you should be carrying. What I'm about to say is going to be difficult. Because you don't like it. But feelings follow actions. Revelation 2, 5, consider how far you have fallen. Repent, action, and do the right thing first. Feelings follow actions. If you want, married people, if you want what you once had, do what you once did. You got married because you had fun with each other. Start having fun again. Seek God together. Pursue the one with your two. Y'all remember that sermon? Fight fair. You remember that sermon? But I don't like it, Pastor Don. There's a guy at work who can meet my emotional needs. I don't like it, Pastor Don. There's a girl at the gym who's a lot more fun than my wife. Listen to me very carefully and do not misunderstand what I'm about to say. If the grass is greener somewhere else, it's time for you to start watering your own yard. 
My granddaddy used to tell me, grass is always greenest over the septic tank. And there ain't nothing under there but a pile of... <laughs> Gentlemen, God has given you permission to enjoy your wife as a reward from Him. Invest in your marriage, gentlemen. Your wife and the money you spend on her to spend time with her will give you much more value than the money you spend on a truck that's going to rust apart. Gentlemen, pursue her. Pursue her. These stories are incredible. They're about pursuit. They're about conquer. They're about, they're about those things. And maybe it offends some people. I don't know that I'm a hunter. You know, I'm a, you know, I don't know. God, in Genesis, God said, get your bow and go hello somebody. God gave me permission to eat. I'm saying, gentlemen, pursue your wife. Enjoy life with the wife that God has blessed you with. Married people, grab this, grab this. Emotional and physical intimacy is godly. In the context of marriage, anything outside of the covenant of marriage cannot be blessed by God. It cannot be blessed by God. It is a perversion of what He meant to be pure. And so we push this, we push this, and we push this, not because we want to be religiously dogmatic, but because we understand the scars that are left in our life because of perversion. Gentlemen, I guarantee you, if you looked at your wife the way Solomon looked at his, a lot of these issues ain't going to be issues. There are powerful ways you can minister to each other. Avoid any reason to allow negativity to creep into these parts of your marriage. Be the change. And my question to us as men, what's stopping you from loving that woman like a reward from God? Before I close here, I want to say something to every young person and every unmarried person in this church. We realize... What the world has done to you and said to you and tried to teach you about all these things. We make a promise to you that we will only speak biblically and truthfully to you over these issues. We also make a promise to you that if you will walk them out, you will be blessed more than any people on the face of the planet. Marriage is God's idea and every detail of it was created in His mind. And gentlemen... When he thought about you, he loved you so much to say, I have something for you. And here she is. Come on, somebody. Can I pray? Lord, thank you for your heart in this matter. We want our hearts to be postured. I pray for every man. Encourage them. Encourage them, Lord. Help us to pursue our wives. And Lord, I pray for her heart also that she will realize when 
the husband of her life begins to pursue her, that it's not all about sex. He wants to enjoy every bit of who she is as a gift from God. And so, Lord, let this word set into our hearts as husbands. Let this word set into the hearts of young men who will aspire to greatness, not because of a painting, but because now they know that God intends to reward them because he loves them with a woman. Help them to honor.